All right, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Overflow Beyond the Music, the podcast. My name is Josh McCabe. I am your host. Thank you so much for tuning in to this final episode of Season 2. And I'm so excited about our guests today. But we are wrapping up final episode of Season 2, which means we have successfully completed uh, over 18 episodes of Overflow Beyond the Music. I can't believe it's been that long already. I've been having a blast. Uh, I've been enjoying some of the guests. I hope you're enjoying the guests. It's been great getting to know them. It's been great getting to know some of you over social media. Really, really appreciate you tuning in and being part of this podcast. And for those who have messaged me uh, online on our social media at OverflowBTM on Instagram, OverflowBTM on Facebook, and also on Twitter, I want to thank you for taking the time to do it. You're part of the family already, the BTM Beyond the Music family. Really, really appreciate you doing that. And keep the messages coming because I want to respond to all of them. So if you're listening to this podcast, if you enjoy it, or honestly, even if you just have a question or just want to hang out or we just want to chat, uh, I'd love to chat with you. I'd love to get to know you and express my appreciation for downloading, streaming, subscribing to this podcast. One of the things I need to let you know about, though, is that it's not just enough for you just to listen to this podcast. I hope you would subscribe to it so that you will get notified when a new episode comes out. Make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast. Make sure you're following us on social media. And lastly, we just started a YouTube channel. We released our first video with a little bit of conversation from John Cooper on that. And uh, we have more videos to come. There will be more videos on that YouTube channel. So what you're going to do, you're going to head on over to our Instagram page. You're going to follow us on there at OverflowBTM. And there you will find a link to our YouTube channel Click on that, subscribe to our channel, and you're going to be seeing a lot of custom videos, a lot of good content, a lot of conversations happening on that channel. So make sure that you do that. All right, today's guest, uh, Ellie Limebear. She is from the UK. She lives in Brighton. And um, I have had the privilege of getting to know her dad a little bit. Her dad is Martin Smith, frontman uh, from the band Delirious. Huge, huge, huge influence in my life. I tried not to geek out because I could talk about Delirious all day. But I'm glad that she was down to talk a little bit about Delirious and some of the influence that they had. Um, And I'm telling you, beyond that, um, this girl, she has got her head on straight. She's a sweet, sweet girl. Her music's awesome. She just released a brand new EP. It's titled Ellie Limebear after her name, and you're going to want to check that out. So here is my conversation with Ellie Limebear. Here we are, face to face, lost in wonder the God of time and space. All right, well, it's my honor to have on the line right now, um, and we had to do this over the phone because she is literally on a different continent, uh, and I'm here with Ellie Limebear right now, uh, <laughs> a brand new artist, uh, definitely not a brand new singer by any means, um, and we'll get into that in a minute, but Ellie, how are you doing today? So good. I'm doing fantastic. All over here, the other side of the world. Yes, and you're coming to me from Brighton, uh, which is, describe where Brighton is um, in the the sense of um, where us North Americans just think of like, oh, everything's yes. near London. <laughs> so Brighton is on the south coast of England. It's a lovely, sunny little seaside town, which is basically an hour from London. 
So yeah, just neighbouring neighbouring city, but we love it. It's I think it's personally the best city in the world. Um, it's brilliant. It's very quirky, very artsy. Um, but yeah, so here in Brighton, is that where you, I. <laughs> is that where you grew up? No, I actually grew up in a pretty much a granny town village, meaning that there was just loads of grannies. Really? Um, <laughs> literally, <laughs> literally, I thought, I thought that was like slag for something else. No, no, okay. literally granny, granny town. Um, it was a place called Rustington, which is also along the beach, maybe like an hour um, along the coast from Brighton. But it was um, where my grandpa ran his church. So all of us, all the family, the wider family, all the delirious guys, um, we were all there in Rustington at this one church. So all the delirious guys were my uncles. So all their children are my cousins. So the whole family pretty much (laughs) was at this church. And then we moved from um, Rustington possibly 10 years ago to Brighton. It's a big old move, but it was wow. It was, yeah. Well, they probably need to like double their like children's staff just for your family alone because <laughs> <laughs> you have a, a lot of siblings. Uh, quite a few, yeah. Quite there's five others and me, um, but no, they're brilliant. Everyone's growing up. Everyone's doing their own thing now. So awesome. Brighton's like the perfect place for that. Well, that's super cool because um, I'm not sure if this is too personal but my favorite um my favorite delirious album that actually just completely wrecked and shaped my life uh came out in 1996 or seven called i think it's live and in the can that came out like six or seven so where what was ellie doing (laughs) when that album came out gosh well, I was born in 97, so okay, wow, just wow. barely out the womb. <laughs> wow, that's ins- that, that is insane. I mean, I, I didn't come across that album until about 2000 when I was kind of, you know, a bit, a bit older. But that is just, that is so Isn't that so crazy? <laughs> you were listening to it, hanging out, and I was just screaming. Exactly. I mean, I wonder if some of the roars in the live audience is you, side stage. It was me, yeah. Bleeding to the mic, so... <laughs> Now, now, are you the so oldest crazy. of of the six? Yes, I am. Yeah, there's two years between each of us. Um, but no, there's such a great group. Well, I love them. They're my best friends. So that's awesome. Yeah, we're all we're all good friends. Well, I see you guys on Instagram getting to do a lot of family stuff together, and and that's yeah, that's awesome. So that fun. You still do that. Um, totally. And my husband Tom, he's like best friends with my brothers, so that helps a lot, doesn't it? <laughs> so cool. So cool. Yes. In in fact, uh I was telling my mom the other day that I was going to be interviewing you and um she says you need to tell her that I loved her wedding dress. <laughs> and I go I'll, Thanks, Mom. <laughs> yeah, I'll try and fit that in. Um, that is hilarious. And, well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, so my mom loves your wedding dress, so there you go. Oh, I like it too. That's good. At least two of us like it. <laughs> yeah, well, how long have you been married now? <laughs> um, nearly two years, this October. Yeah, crazy. That's awesome. And where did and where did you and Tom meet? Did you guys meet in, in that the, the old Granny Town Church, or no, was it somewhere did. else? <laughs> No, we actually met um, in our church in Brighton called St. Peter's. Yeah. He just came to faith. He was 18 years old and I was just turning 16. So it was crazy. We hung out for like two years and then started dating and then got engaged a year and a half later and then been married nearly two years. So 
quite the journey but he's brilliant we yeah we love our church st peter's it's in the heart of the city so all of the city kind of revolves around it it's brilliant that's incredible so now now that you've begun um doing doing music sort of as as ellie linebear which I, i confession i didn't realize that was tom's last name and i thought to myself that well well man if you're gonna change your name from, I'm, I'm pretty sure your middle name's not Lime Bear. Like, <laughs> Quite where, crazy. Where, yeah, where did you kind of <laughs> choose that name from for like an artist name? And then it yeah. all made sense. Yeah, just I was just so bored with Smith, you know. I just had to like get yeah. rid of it. <laughs> no, but I, I love no. it. No, it's like quite, a, yeah, from Smith to Lime Bear, it's quite the jump. Yeah. But um, I decided unique. to go with that. <laughs> well, I love it. I mean, that's that's your name, and it's my name. There's a reason why God gives us names, even if totally. some of them we inherit. Uh, yes, and I even think, if they're weird. Yeah, we got to own it, and we got to hundred percent. We gotta we gotta take that. So, um, but yeah, I want to. <laughs> I'm kind of curious now about you know most, I guess, uh, artists when they, you know, start working with a record label and making music. Uh, Immediately, the the questions that ha- get had are when are you coming? When are you moving to Nashville? Because that yes. would be convenient for everybody, except you. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. So with that in mind, what has sort of been the uh, really driving force between wanting to stay in Brighton and and what you know has that allowed you to do? Do you get to be involved in your local church? How, how does that look for you? Yes, totally. Definitely at the start of the conversation between labels and booking agent or not all of that it's so um nashville based which is amazing and we love going over there and there was all the talk of when are you going to move you know everyone's there all the writers and it's amazing it's such an amazing place um but we've never felt that call from god ever Mm. and we feel so at peace with living in brighton and being part of our church and me and my husband, we're part of the youth group at church too, and we absolutely love it and are so involved. So I think moving would be such such an uproot to go to Nashville, and it's something that we've never felt confident in doing. So I think even though it would be so much easier, oh my goodness, like thousands and thousands of pounds on flights and you know hired cars and finding a place to stay and you know it's it is quite a ordeal but yeah i think we we know in our in our hearts that we're supposed to be in brighton and we're supposed to be involved in our church and what we get to do is such a privilege and the fact that we still get to live in brighton and then go out to america and do these tours and then come back to our home we count that as such a privilege and it's amazing that we can do that and still be part of our church and i can lead you know as much as i can on on sundays but it's um it, yeah it's it's working out okay at the moment we we're loving it right now who knows how you know if we'll get even more busier and maybe we will have to live in america for a season but for now we feel like oh no god's definitely called us to brighton he's like um yeah he's having us here for a bit of time that's all we know well i think that's important because that that's a mature um response be, you know for somebody who is who's younger and sort of um, at your first, uh, you know, I don't know, your first sort of crossroads in the... Yeah, totally. Like, you know, you can make music for a long time, be around it, but now now you're decision-making and to choose community and, and home over uh, potentially quick career boost is, is something that, that I think 
uh, God rewards later on for sure. Hmm. Oh wow! Thank you. And and you know, I was curious about that because it, it seems like you know the the, the thought to stay in Brighton is about family and and uh, being close to home. And I remember hearing this kind of as a um, as a rumor, and then got it confirmed that um, when your dad was doing Delirious, they wouldn't tour for a certain only for a certain amount of time unless they could bring the whole family clan. Um, yes. Is is like, tell me about how that looked and how that sort of has impacted some of your decisions. Yeah, hundred percent. I totally remember as a child um, the pain and like and despair of like dad leaving, but there was always a rule that they wouldn't go away longer than ten days. So if there was any touring opportunities, you know, they got offered some amazing touring opportunities, but they stuck to their 10-day rule. And if it was over 10 days, then they wouldn't do it unless all the family could come. Um, So that meant that most Easter holidays um, in April, we had a tour for a month in America where all the family could come because everyone was out of school then for for the month so that was and those are the you know the highlight of my life really those days where just as kids running around and traveling on tour buses with your cousins and going to sound check and eating donuts and all of that but (laughs) i think that i think that spoke so loud also to the families too like oh no this is also a priority like we're doing this but we're also you know want to be at home and I guess they did have the freedom of doing that because they were a band and, the, you know, five of them were in it. And because it was family, they could make that decision. So I know not all people can make those decisions. It's tricky. But I think that's definitely had an impact on me in that um, family is priority at the end of the day. You know, yeah. what we, you know, people at home and the church and what we're involved with, our roots, like that is so, so important. Um, but what our calling is and you know, our vocation, that is that is so important. And I always knew that dad going away was so important and that's what he needed to do. And that, you know, people coming to Jesus because of their music. And I knew that I met people who, you know, their music changed their lives. So I got it as a kid, but um, I definitely knew that the impact of that it was having 10 day role for sure. Well, and, and, you know, it's, it's interesting because you probably look at that and, and having to make some of, you talked about some of the decisions you're making now, all the money that you're spending on flights and, you know, car rentals and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, there probably was a lot of money, quote unquote, left on the table to, uh, to really protect that family aspect mm. for the band. And, um, you know, I kind of say, look at the rewards and that they have, mm. you know, y- your family is following the Lord. You're now... Uh, serving the Lord with your gifts, and uh, yeah. and that's a beautiful thing that that uh, I believe God honors. Uh, and mm. and you know, so as you may have noticed just there, we had a little bit of interference because I'm recording this in my home, and the guy with the big giant lawnmower decided to come right by my window. So I thought this would be a perfect time to just take a quick second break from this podcast so we can hear some tunes by. Delirious, so you can have a little context about the band we're talking about. So here's some music from Delirious.
show for Ellie as a young girl being surrounded by her dad, the frontman of Delirious, being surrounded by people like Darlene Check and some of the most influential worship leaders and artists in the world. I wanted to ask Ellie how she began to find her voice and identity. To be honest, I've never actually wanted, there was never a kid dream that um, Ellie wanted to be an artist or be a singer or I never wanted to be on stage or anything like that. I think because I saw dad do it and that was amazing. And But I also saw the the hardness of that and the responsibility and, um, the you know, you see it behind closed doors, don't you, the trials of everything and... But my, I've always loved singing though. As a kid, I there's videos of me just twirling around like this chubby toddler twirling around <laughs> in, this, in the kitchen, just singing Darlene Czech songs and just so, you know, my arms wide open, just always have loved worship and always have loved singing. I've always have loved church, actually. I've, I've, I'm such a church lover. So I never had the intention of great I'm going to do my own music I just loved the whole thing and have always been quite creative I've um I was a photographer for like four years and run my own business doing that and just always loved yeah creating and writing little things on the piano but again never had the intention to like great I'm gonna be an artist I'm gonna write songs and send them to a label I'm gonna you know do open mic nights like I actually hated all of that (laughs) like I I didn't really want to sing in front of everyone anyone yeah um but I think it was just over the years just little encouragements being on the road with dad and he'd be like oh Els why don't you just like sing this was like after um delirious broke up and dad was doing more solo stuff yeah being on the road with him and he'll be like oh Els, why don't you just like come and sing like backing vocals with me like i've got just <laughs> yeah. grab some in ears we've got some here like just try it like don't worry we can you can stand really back you know back of the stage we might not even put your mic <laughs> up but just try it like and it's kind of been that throughout my life like go on else just try it just with both my parents actually like oh don't worry it's fine just like try it so it's kind of been like that throughout my teenage years of just trying it and jumping in with my goggles on in the swimming pool do you know what I mean just like yeah. oh just do it um but it was probably up until a year and a half ago where I felt um God really speak to my heart in doing my own thing with music and writing my own songs for this next generation. So it was so it wasn't actually that long ago that I felt like this is what I was supposed to be doing. So it's it's been a quite a journey in in that sense, but I'm still learning. I still can't really call myself an artist to be honest. It kind of cringes me out, freaks me out, makes me super nervous. <laughs> it's still yeah. weird to me. Um, but that's, I guess, what I am right now, and that's what I'm doing, and that's my life. So I've got to claim it, but um, I'm just loving writing music and singing over people and being um, on the roads, just how I felt like, I don't know, as a kid, it's the same excitement of going on a tour bus. It's all, like, so exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that's so I, I guess it's been just a constant little encouragement throughout my life of just, oh, just go, just do it. And then it's kind of ended up to this where I've, I've tried something and I'm now yeah. in it. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I mean, you mentioned being inspired by Darlene Check, and she's one of the most well-known worship leaders of all time. 
do you feel like that call in your life to write songs for the church or or maybe not or, or somewhere in between like does, does that make sense <laughs> yeah 100% I I definitely feel um my music what I'm trying to write what I'm trying to like um yeah get out is songs for this generation for the generations to come for believers but also for for non-believers like I've got such a heart um for evangelism and I've got a bunch of friends who don't know Jesus I was the only Christian in my school I grew up you know people would probably think I was I don't know there was I didn't know any non-Christians but my whole kind of world mostly was non-Christians um but then I large chunk of my life was full in the Christian music industry going on tour you know so I really was dipping in and out of two worlds um, Mm. my whole life so I really I want to write music that my friend from school will listen to I don't want to you know I don't want to block them out of anything that's gonna and not to say that congregational music does that I don't think it does I think God can do whatever he wants with music but my my aim is just to invite people in and almost like, oh no, Christian music doesn't have to freak you out and it doesn't have to be super wordy. It can be fun and a good melody and um, something that you can dance to or add to your party playlist. That's what I see the vision for my music is just an invitation, like a big hug, like, oh no, come on, let's do this. It's the best life is life with Jesus. Yeah. Like let let us show you. Let us well let me like teach you. Let me tell you stories and that sort of thing. So um I I think there's some congregational songs like bubbling in me and hopefully will come out one day and right, there's stuff right. that can be sung. But my aim is not to write a um a song for the, for Sundays. Yeah. It's just for life. Well, I'm, I'm reading. I was reading the lyrics of one of your songs today. Um, I was reading the lyrics of "Maker of the Moon." I love. I love this line. It says, "Hello, tamer of the tides. Every day you're moving deeper in my in my life. You're the wildness in the wind, and I feel you so much closer in my skin." And it, it's you're you're telling a story. Really, you're painting mm-hmm. a picture of of who our God is, and and what does that picture? of who our God is look like to you because we, we can paint God in many different ways. Uh, yes. And, and sometimes as humans, we, we can make some pretty terrible paintings of God <laughs> in, totally our, in our off. lives. So what is, what is the, the picture that you're trying to paint through music of, of who oh, God man. is? Yeah. I, I think my number one thing is probably God, the creator. Like I, I love imagery and I love creation and just being outside. I'm obsessed with natural light and fresh air (laughs) as a person anyway. Like (laughs) I think that's probably why I did photography too. Like Mm. I have to like natural light is if I don't get it in my day to day, I'll be so miserable. (laughs) Um, Probably everyone else. But I think I'm so intrigued by creation. I'm so intrigued that, um, birds and trees and the waves like it intrigues me I'm like how it can't have just appeared and oh no but there's a god that created all of this and all for a purpose and everything is worshiping you know that song so will I as well that is one of my favorite worship songs and how it says the rocks cry out on worship and I just like oh isn't that mental that's so crazy that 
our God created has created something so beautiful and that we can enjoy and not just I don't know we can take it in can't we we can sit and have like a a drink on the beach and take it all in and um so I definitely think I see my God as a creator obviously as a father and all the other words but I love to see my God as a you know, the ultimate creator and works continue through us and changing us. And yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm curious as you're writing to where, where do you find yourself doing most of your writing? You said you like being outside, you like natural light. Where is it that you find yourself being most, uh, inspired? Do you have a, do you have a home studio that you have access to or how does that look for you? Yeah. To be honest, I don't have a home studio. I, um, I have lots of like writing trips in Nashville, which are, you know, planned and some I'll bring ideas and just being there, you know, all of that process, which I love and every day is different. But um, also I do lots of writing, just like walking around. Like I love my voice memo app is probably my most used app. Yes. Slash Instagram, got to say it, haven't I? Yes. (laughs) Um, But my voice memo app, like I've got, the weirdest notes of like in Wagamama's like which is a restaurant in Brighton like by the um hand dryer just recording a voice memo of like a melody I've got you know yeah, it's just yeah. the w- randomest things but just walking around and noticing things and people watching people watching my family listening to conversations taking it all in I'm just you know if a lyric here and there or a melody I have I, you know waking up it's to be honest, it's never the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All different. But yeah, I love being outside. I love sitting by windows, sitting in coffee shops, you know, all of that. I love it. Have you had the chance to to do any uh, sort of lengthy tours yet as as Ellie Linebear? Or because um, I know you have one coming up this fall. Yes, I've got a tour. Um, a tour coming up with I'm They this September, which I'm super pumped about. Yeah, you'll have a great is, time. Yeah, I'm so excited to tour with those guys. So that's like a month tour. And then I was just on the road with Francesca Battistelli oh, in great. March, which was amazing. She's her team. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, we learned so much from her too, especially because her husband manages her too. And yep. my husband does all my day-to-day management. So we were asking a lot of questions. Um, but no, so... Yeah, kind of like month month tours, but it's been we've loved it. It's been such a joy to do that. Very scary too, all at the same time. Yeah, it can be a little overwhelming to step into to sort of you know a different oh, yeah. a different world. But um, you're you're gonna have a blast on that tour. That I am they they are they are the sweetest people, and uh, and my good friend Dan Bremness is also on it, and he's a yes. fellow Canadian. So you'll he you'll is. have a blast. No, I'm so pumped. I'm really excited about it. So yeah, I'm yeah this year can't wait. And so Tom gets to come with you on the road then? Yes, he does. Amazingly. We can't quite believe that we get to do it together. So we're loving it. That's really special. That's awesome. Um, yes. One of the things I wanted to ask you as well, you know, a lot of us can be influenced uh, musically by all sorts of people. But what is who is somebody, I guess, outside of your family who influenced you musically mm. in, in a in a it could even be uh, a, a way of singing, a way of writing, or just a way of carrying oneself. Who's somebody that really, really you look up to? Wow, that's a great question. Um, yeah, growing up, gosh, so many different bands. And 
I listened to a lot of Bombay Bicycle Club, like boy bands growing up, <laughs> Tudor Cinema Club. Um, and I loved the like the instrumentation they they use Bombay I loved all the different sounds and that definitely inspired me all the weird samples that they'd use um so Bombay Bicycle Club would be a big one probably but also people like Leanne La Havas who does I don't know if you've heard of her but she's a Brit and she's um beautiful vocalist and just the way she uses her voice and her songs like be- like crazy melodies lots of scandinavian people i'm loving at the moment yeah but, yeah um yeah i don't know if i could pinpoint um but i think also it's so cliche but delirious i think has had like a massive impact just like watching hundreds and hundreds of tours from being a youngster to, you know just the sets that they would use on stage and the costumes and yeah. the lights and the visuals and everything I was just so 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 inspired from a young kid and the lyrics that they would use um the music it was so so out there for that time so yeah. I think even even though it's my dad <laughs> yeah, no, I, I am inspired by him and what they did and um just think it's crazy how um I don't know how out they were out there they were at that time and I thought as a kid everyone did that but looking right. back I'm like oh no they really did um they were groundbreakers and so I think yeah delirious obviously but well I mean they <laughs> lame they, no no I think it's awesome because it's it's great to hear your perspective because I I look at what they did and they they took risks to be misunderstood yes uh, and I I applaud them for taking risks to be misunderstood because uh, I think primarily your dad has, has been someone to say that why, why can't performance art be worship as well? <laughs> and why yes. can't, you know, why, why is that one or the other? And totally. I always really respected that. And I'm, I'm only going to bring this up cause we're back, we're back on this, on the delirious train right now. But when I was probably, maybe 12 or 13 years old um my dad was playing um like they had like an 80s metal reunion night my dad was in like a christian 80s metal band love it (laughs) um and they had like a reunion night at cornerstone festival and delirious was headlining that year and i you know of course knew a couple of their songs being you know but being 13 or 12 like you still don't really understand music and bands and stuff um and like you have a discman with like a ten second anti skip, like you probably don't yes. even know the yeah you probably might remember them, but yeah a CD wow. Walkman or whatever. And I saw I saw them playing, and there was probably about sixty or eighty thousand people in this crowd. And I remember looking up to my dad, and I just like all I remember saying is, "I'm gonna do that someday." Wow, <laughs> I'm gonna do that. And then you know, fast forward about uh maybe 10 or 11 years later um when your dad uh when martin came to canada to do a a a tour on his own um i got to play for him play guitar and sing those songs with them so i was like you know what not eighty thousand people at cornerstone but (laughs) a couple thousand in this church it's close enough lord i can die now so (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing full circle full circle so i'm i'm all that to say, I have been equally as inspired uh, by 
That's amazing. Um, by Martin and um, and your dad and 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 now I'm finding myself inspired by your lyrics and and wow. challenged by them and wanting to read deeper into this um, and, and dive deeper into this album. So tell me a little bit about the making of the Ellie Lime Bear EP. Yes, yes. So the EP. Six different songs, very different songs, I think. They all kind of came together one by one. Lots of writing, for it to be honest, lots of songs. Um, but it's probably over a year, year and a half of um, back and forth to Nashville and bringing in, over ideas, working with loads of different people. But I think it was my first time really writing like on my own. Um, in the sense of um, not writing with my home family, like the Bright City guys in Brighton yeah, yeah. and my dad. It was like a whole new experience for me, you know, flying over to Nashville and in these writing sessions with like two other guys and um, trying to get emotional and trying to like dig deep in my heart and fish yeah. things out. And what does Ellie really think about this? What does she actually want to write about? What does she believe? What does she... Um, want to sing what does she yeah so all of that who are some of the writers um, you got to write with um oh my goodness so many amazing writers i got to write with um ethan hulse jonathan smith jason ingram um my bright city fan back at home uh, jordan malowski um tommy prophet gosh this jesse wow. early so many Tons, that's great beautiful amazing people so it was such a fun experience just getting to, you know, write with new, exciting people. And um, these just the ideas just came out of that season, really, in my life, though, this past year and a half. Um, like the Call On Your Name song, it's all about my um, fear of the dark. Still, I have this fear of 22-year-old married woman and still has the fear of the dark of the night and that song is all about that and calling on the name of Jesus in those times and um, those dark times for us all where we don't know what to do, we don't know what to turn to and um, Jesus is the only one that can change things so that song's about that but then you've got Love Song and Fly which are super fun and um, dancey and that's totally my character. I love a good dance. So that incorporates that sort of side of my personality. Awesome. Um, and Holding Me Still, um, that song's just really a nostalgic song of looking over my life, seeing the, the thread of God's love still speaking to me as a, you know, as a child, but he's still speaking to me now and calling my name and holding me still. And he's, um, yeah, so that, that song's all about that. So, yeah, there's, and then Find Me Your Feet, it's a simple, honest truth about, you know, how how can we come to the feet of Jesus, you know, how are we worthy of doing that, don't know what song to sing to him, don't know what to bring. Um, so, yeah, it's just a collection of songs, really. They're, they're all quite different, I think. So listening through the whole EP, it's not like seamless. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It, there's, every track's got a different producer. Every track's got different writers and um, elements. So it's quite an interesting lesson, but that, I guess. <laughs> but that all is part of who you are. And that and totally. that is worth embracing the eclectic taste and uh, creativity that, that you, you bring. And, and oh. that's what makes an artist, uh, in, in my opinion, 
unique or even captivating is that they just lean into who they are and, and not just one side of who they are. So I, hmm. I really applaud you for on a, on a first EP for just saying, nope, this, this is who I am and you're going to get all versions. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it really is all versions. <laughs> well, hey, we're going to listen to a clip of a song and uh, I'm going to let you choose it. And what song would you like uh, to either reintroduce people to or introduce people to for the first time off of your latest EP? Yes, I would love to introduce Call On Your Name. I hope you like it. Awesome. And you just, I just saw that there's a remix of it as well. So maybe we'll, yes. play, we'll play that a little bit of that at the end of the podcast as well. So. Oh, my, yeah. Well, thanks so That's much for so taking dumb. time, Ellie. I really appreciate it. And uh, I think I think my wife, Fee, and I will try and catch you on the road on that I Am They tour and, and come say yes. hello. Amazing. Yeah, I'd love that. Thank you so much, Josh. It's been so great. Absolutely. Thanks for asking, too. Yeah, well, closing out this podcast, we're going to check out Call on your name from Ellie Limebear. Her new EP is online. You can check it out everywhere. She's heading out on the road with I Am They and Dan Bremnis this fall. Make sure you check it out. Here's Call on Your Name. There you have it. Season two has come to a close, but don't worry, we are going to be coming right back. We're not really taking long of a break at all. We're going to probably have a special episode released in between there as well. Cannot wait to get back to interviewing people. Uh, Lots of great interviews already have happened that I cannot wait to share with you, and many more are scheduled to come. It's been so, so fun. So make sure that you're following us online. Please, please, please do that on social media. And if you could, I'd really appreciate it. If there's anything you can do to spread the word, tell a friend, send the link to this podcast to a friend that you think might be interested. It would mean the world to us if we could just get the word out about this a little bit more. And if you haven't listened to all the episodes in this season, season two, let me take you back. We started with Meredith Andrews, and we had Kim Walker-Smith, John Egan, The Afters, Mia Fields, Mike Donahue of 10th Avenue North, Ben Chris of The Glorious Unseen. We threw a little special episode in there with John Cooper of Skillet. We had Will McGinnis of Audio Adrenaline, and we closed it off with Ellie Linebear. So... It's been a fun, fun season. Cannot wait to get back at it. We will be back in just a few short weeks with another episode of Overflow Beyond the Music. My name's Josh McCabe. Thanks so much for hanging out. We'll see you again real soon. Yeah.